0: Dan Rico, Satyar, Shaw. We're in the Kintech studio. Kintech Footwear and Orthotics, Canada's favorite orthotics provider, supported by over 1,500 five-star Google reviews. Find your perfect fit at Kintech.net. This hour is brought to you by Andrew Sherritt Limited, your plumbing and heating wholesaler, a proud family-owned B.C. company, helping local business since 1892. Uh, a lot of uh, texts... Coming into the Dunbar Lumber text message inbox, uh, some uh, were even being asked by listeners not to read them on air. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. We will respect the listeners. Um,
1: Can we read it, but request. not attribute it to somebody? I guess we could. Should we? Or he he asked us not to. He
0: asked us not to.
1: So we won't. So we won't do it. We'll respect your wishes.
0: <laughs> uh, this text, um, a lot of text on on uh, the idea of a new coach. Mm. Um, but, you know, as we've talked about, um, maybe not for this season, but the search obviously ongoing for what could happen over the course of the summer and in the lead up to next year. Um, as far as, you know, where this team is right now sad as they go into Tampa Bay um, I wonder about you know. I wonder how they manage the rest of this season mm. is it you know just about losses do you want like if you're the front office do you want to find some level of structure into this team's game or is this sort of a write-off for the rest of the year.
1: (laughs) I think there are certain things... For lack of a better term. I I think there are certain things this organization wants to see, but I don't think the organization is looking to turn over every stone to get them on the right track, necessarily, to win a bunch of games. They're not going to try to lose games, but what do we see today with Tanner Pearson? He needs a second surgery, they shut him down. Now, hey, maybe that's just the fact of his injury and he wasn't making progress, would it have been different had you been in a different position as a team? But regardless, you get into a stage now where if guys get hurt and need something done, you're probably shutting them down for the rest of the season. That's going to be the the thing I keep a real close eye on here. Trades, we'll see ultimately, because the only ones you control are the UFA situations. So how much more can you do in reg- in addition to, to whatever you might do with the UFAs at the trade deadline? The rest really comes down to how you manage injuries. And that would be the biggest indication for me. How, if they start shutting guys down, that kind of tells you what direction they're hoping the rest of the season goes. Was the Tanner Pearson announcement today uh, a bit of a, a view into what that might look like? Like I said, I'm not sure because he had a surgery and we knew that he had a bit of a setback. Yeah, and it and it wasn't progressing the way he wanted. The hope had been he would become coming back sooner. So the so the fact that that's been going on, I don't know if this necessarily points towards that, right? It's hard to say, but but I do wonder if it played a part, right? Yeah. And we are getting to a stage now where any of these sort of injuries, when they happen, you may as well just shut a guy down for the rest of the season. Go and, and we'll deal s- with it. Get ready for uh, training camp. Yeah. And, you know, Demko, one, he's trying to come back still. They want to get him on the ice and won't be on this road trip. We'll see with some other guys on this team what happens here as the season goes on.
0: Uh, so, um, you know, we just talked with, with Harm about Oliver Ekman Larson, of course. And. Now I did want to get a little bit more in on uh, on that because, like, as much as OEL yes is declined and yes he's never going to be able to live up to his contract, we did see a much more productive defenseman last year, and I can't help that, but think about the circumstances. Of his arrival in Vancouver and all of the things he himself said about playing in Arizona for Mm. so long and it being a battle for irrelevancy or against irrelevancy and these types of things, and he wanted to come to a bigger market, I have to at least wonder if there is something to that here in his sophomore season with the Canucks. There shouldn't be a reason for his steep decline year over year. It's not just pace issues that are affecting him. He had some similar pace issues last year, getting beat wide and those types of things. Most of the time, I feel with Oliver, it's a big decision he's making in a moment. That's often the wrong decision and a wildly poor decision. And for somebody that is as class a player as he is, I don't see how your hockey IQ has just disappeared from age 31 to 32, especially for a player of his caliber or the player that he was earlier in his career. I can expect decline in certain areas of your game, but should your ability to read the game fall off that big of a cliff? I I don't feel that it should. And then there's the Flamingos in front of the block shots, the bad decisions. It all adds up to me where I'm wondering if OEL's commitment to staying at a high level is part of the conversation here. This potential healthy scratch, for me, it's a long time coming. I know for a lot of our listeners and a lot of Canucks watchers, it's a long time coming. And I, I the hope is, not just from Boudreaux's perspective, but also from the front office, I imagine, is that this wakes up the former Norris caliber defenseman to a level that we get to see him playing at a more committed game like we saw last year compared to the one we're seeing this year.
1: If that's what you have to do, then I don't have much hope for him figuring it out for the rest of the, sh- for the rest of yeah the contract. Like if you're one year in and now you need a healthy scratch to get your focus in and get get your mind right. That's a big time red flag. That's, that's a huge one. I mean, what is your desire then? And I'm not saying that's the case, but if that is the case, then, then it's done. It's over the man's 31 years old and got, just got traded and you still need more motivation and yeah maybe what can happen is it'll spur him for the moment but if that's what's necessary today what's going to happen over the off season where you need the motivation to get into shape to be ready for the season to do all the extra things you have to do to remain at a high level when you're into your 30s where's that going to come from you know so if that's actually something we're concerned about then I think it's done Yeah. then I don't have much hope and I, and I certainly hope that's not the case what I hope Dan is that it's some sort of an injury, which also isn't necessarily a far better because how does he handle injuries as you get older? That's part of your life in the NHL, dealing yeah. with things, overcoming injuries. And it seems like he can't overcome injuries to play at a much higher level. The team doesn't provide him a good environment. And I think with something we talked to Harm about, the defensemen are oftentimes out of position. And I agree, they have to be a lot better. But what what's also evident is they're oftentimes out of position because the entire way the team is playing, all the guys find themselves out of position, oftentimes. So you see a player stuck in no man's land, and OEL's not quick enough to recover from it. Myers isn't quick enough to recover from it. So these guys need the type of team and environment where they have to do less to be successful. And right now in Vancouver, that's not the case. And that's why it's a big concern considering how much money OEL is getting paid and how many many more years he has left on his contract.
0: Uh, Let's bring in our next guest. It is John Garrett- the legend himself, Canucks Color Analyst. What's happening, Cheech?
2: Not much, not much. When you called, I've had four scam calls today. <laughs> and so it, it, the number came up. And I, said, oh, Do I answer that? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's supposed to be on Saturday, Dan, so um, here we
0: go. Yeah, you should just uh, you'd be like, no, I don't need my ducks cleaned. Thanks for uh, calling for the seventh <laughs> <Yeah>. time today. <laughs>
2: Yes. Uh, an order you place. We just need your financial information so that you can...
0: Yeah, okay. Oh, sure. Yeah, why don't I just hand that yeah, right I'll over to you?
2: <laughs> yeah, I'll do that.
0: How's, uh, how's Florida so far?
2: Good, good. My daughter Sarah lives here, so uh, I got to have dinner last night with Sarah over to her house and had lunch today with her. And I'm going to stay. Uh, the team leaves after the game, and I'm going to spend another day here and then fly over tomorrow evening, so... Uh, it's nice. You don't get to see your kids that often, and this is part of a trip.
1: So is the best part of the trip with what we're seeing on the ice, the off-ice stuff you get to do right now? <laughs> so far, so far.
2: Hey, well, you guys were talking about uh, OEL and, and Tyler, and, and I really think that the message has to be to the other guys. Uh, okay, OEL is going to get the message, that's for sure. the Tampa has eight or nine guys that have played every game this season. The Canucks have four, and OEL is one of them. And so now he's going to be a healthy scratch, and um, okay, that's kind of a wake-up call for him, but it shows everybody else on the team that it doesn't matter your contract status, uh, your experience status, that you have to play well to get in the lineup. And... And I, I think it's a good move by Bruce Boudreau and the coaching staff just to show everybody else, okay, performance is the thing.
0: Yeah, it, it has to come somewhere. And, you know, it, it feels like the, they're pulling one of these cards or, you know, the team has to have a team meeting every couple of weeks in order to, to, to get the game going back in the, in the right direction. But it, I just don't know how many more cards Bruce Boudreau had to play here, right? At some point, you know, he's going to have to – Sort of send a message through one of these veteran players.
2: Yeah, uh, and you were talking about team meetings this season. When was the first team meeting? Four
0: games in, or four, something?
2: Four games in. <laughs> yes, yeah. yeah. like you say. How many team meetings can you have? Uh, yeah, there's only so much a coach can do. Uh, the players have to be accountable, and I think when you sh- you do a move like this, it shows that the coaches. Are making the players accountable that it's not just okay the the status and all that kind of stuff it, it's uh, your performance on the ice, how have you been lately and uh, the way the team's playing why not
1: yeah i mean i I'm completely there in terms of accountability and, and making these types of moves. What, what you want to see from a guy like Oliver Ekman Larson is aging better as he gets into his thirties. Right. I mean, he's, and it's not even that old really, but last year he played really well in terms of what we expect him when he came in over the trade. And the hope is he finds that game again, but this type of season, how concerning is it and how much of it would you say is a bit of a write off with how the entire year is going for this entire team? Yeah. And
2: uh, I, as a group, though, so, the whole team and, uh, They talk about the structure of the team and it's easier to play. And uh, Kevin, our friend Kevin Woodley talks about the uh, chances and the high danger chances and uh, how that 67-shot game against uh, Nashville the other night, there wasn't as many quality chances as the game that uh, Spencer Martin played the other night. So uh, I, I just, I look at it and I'm thinking, okay, you have to find some way that the team plays line by line, shift by shift, and, and just do as well as you can every time you're on the ice. And that's it. just hasn't been the case. And uh, you look at that Colorado game uh, at home, when was that, a couple of Thursdays ago? Mm-hmm. And uh, Tyler Myers and OEL were really, really good in that game. Uh, Tyler was plus three, OEL was plus two, uh, and they contained, They were played within themselves, didn't try and do too much, and, and kind of fed off uh, their experience and played a really good game. But then the next game, it was just, oh man, where did that go? And it was like Colin Delia. Colin Delia was absolutely fantastic in that Colorado game, and then he goes into Winnipeg and he gets the hook after four and looked like he hadn't played before.
0: How uh, have you liked uh, Delia so far?
2: In- inconsistent. That's the problem. And uh, if he could just string together some games and get the confidence of the team, and it, that's the problem. And now Spencer, who has played pretty well, but how many five-goal games can you have and keep the team's confidence? The team looks at it and says, well, we got to get six to win. Yeah. Well, uh, it's pretty hard to do.
1: Yeah, I mean it is. And overall, when we look at the team, we all kind of realize they find themselves where they find themselves. But as far as some of the positives up front, we've seen Andre Kuzmenko do his thing. We've seen Elias Patterson and Bo Horvat do their thing. What do you look for from those players who played so well in the second half of the season?
2: No, I think they'll. I think they'll still be just as good. But the rest of the team has to get better around them. Uh, it, I know that you just love stats and you know, chances and all that kind of stuff, but how about uh, the salary cap? The two goalies that are playing now—guess mm-hmm. how much of the Canucks' salary cap they take up?
1: These two guys are taking up what? Uh, uh, just over one percent of the salary cap combined. One fifty-third. There we go. See, I knew it. It's very not bad. E- less it, less than one percent. It, it's very—it's a very efficient cro- cost for a team. It's <laughs> not. <laughs>
2: <laughs> oh, we still yeah, have to okay. include Halak's uh, bonuses
0: there too, though. Yeah. Well, you were you were <laughs> counting on
2: Thatcher Demko and and uh, you were hoping Spencer Martin could come in and, and relieve Thatcher Demko, and now you you're you've got two kind of veteran guys that you were counting on to be Backups, insurance yeah. policies, but now they're the guys. Yeah. And, and they've never had it before.
1: They've no. never
2: ever been a number one goalie. And even in, the, even in the American League, you look at their numbers and, uh, you know, they never played 60 games yeah. in any American League season. So uh, now it's it's showing, and I think that's why the consistency is not there. It's so much more pressure than, oh, okay, I, if I have a bad game, Thatcher's going to play the next three anyway. Mm-hmm. Now if you have a bad game, you get thrown back in there, and one bad game leads to another.
0: Uh, one final question before we let you go. No, you got to run. What was for lunch, Cheech? They they want to know. Was it Shake Shack? Where where were you for lunch?
2: No, uh, my daughter and I went to a place called Duffy's. Oh wow! And uh, you, yeah, uh, she took me to lunch and uh, soup and a uh, grilled cheese that wow. had bacon on it, though. So and uh, the soup was tomato, so I could dip the grilled cheese in the tomato soup. And I did have ketchup with it, and it had those homemade potato chips. Oh yeah, on the side. Oh. It was a good, good
0: meal. That sounds delightful. Uh, thanks for this, Cheech. We appreciate it, as always.
2: Okay, no problem. Talk to you later.
0: Uh, there he is, the best. Uh, John Garrett joining us here on uh, on Canuck Central. Uh, the listeners just want to know the the, <laughs> the road travels and road eats with John Garrett. That's, yeah. uh, that's always the most pertinent uh, thing to know in our weekly check-ins with uh, with John Garrett. It's Dan Richo, Satyar Shah. This is uh, Canucks Central. It it comes down to, you know, as we've talked about with a lot of these guys, Sat, and something we sort of touched on yesterday, something we touch on with Yannick often, and he'll join us tomorrow. Are you willing to give up a little bit of offense in order for the greater good? Of course. Like, you look at these last two games, all the Canucks have done, it's just trade chances with Winnipeg and Pittsburgh.
1: Give me a boring two one win and a team that wins consistently two one in boring games. Yeah, and is a playoff contender. Have give they, me that. Have they
0: done that at all this year? Like, no, they, they're not built. They kind for that.
1: of, no. You know, strung
0: it together against Colorado, maybe. Yeah. Right. They had that that game in Edmonton before the Christmas break, where mm-hmm. at least for the final forty minutes, they didn't give up too much at five on five, yeah. right? But I mean, when you're like you know, really grasping at straws to find a handful of games that you were able to play well defensively in. I mean, that's 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 a tough look. That's as tough as it gets. And I I just I haven't seen the ability, the commitment. And it's not as though it's not like Boudreaux is not trying Mm -hmm. to get them to play defensive hockey. Like they're just they're just not doing it. And that is a major red flag on how this team is performing right now.
1: Yeah, and and that's why there's so many questions overall about the team, and that's why you can't really separate – A lot of the forwards from the defensemen as well, when we look at how the team is performing and how they're playing individually, it's more about individual trends that we're seeing that have been very worrisome so far this season. And when we talk about OEL, that's the biggest concern. It's just about the trend, where it's going, and where the indicators are. And it's not a good indication. We've seen other defensemen figure it out and get better as time goes on. But it's about, again, we talk about team process. What are the reasons that lead to a player potentially not being the best version of themselves? And it comes down to what he needs to do. Uh, Somebody texted in and said, uh, Sat, you called out, you counted out Edler and said he can't play top four minutes anymore. And, you know, how did that age? And Edler is still playing for sure. But he played 18 minutes last year, playing 15 minutes a game this year. He played 41 games last year and they sat him out here and there. They sheltered him a bit. He can still play and provide something, but he needs the right environment for it. He played in a team that has structure. He's better defensively. The last year in Vancouver, he put up some points prior two years, but they weren't getting defensive results with him out there. Better than other players, but he couldn't handle playing 22, 20, 21 minutes a game against tougher competition and help you be successful because it's asking him to do something he's not capable of doing. But you put him in a position where he can be successful. He's still playing at a high level. The question for OEL is what does it, what does support look like for him, and what can he give you at a high level? Yeah, because you are paying a guy like Edler three million, and he's playing 18, 15 minutes a game. Great, whatever. You're paying guys $7.25 million? What are you getting out of that player playing those top four minutes? And can you get that out of Oliver ekman larsson How do you get the best out of him? Because right now, he's not handling those minutes very well. He did last year, not so far this season. So there's one player that I find uh,
0: super interesting. Hampus Lindholm. He was in Anaheim. Classy defenseman. Really good. Towards the end of his Anaheim tenure... Wasn't very good. None of the numbers were good. He was bad. His defensive value was cratering in Anaheim. And when the Boston Bruins traded for him, it was like, what's like what, what does Boston see here? And then they immediately gave him a massive contract. People are like, what? You're giving this guy this contract on the yeah. season he was having in Anaheim? Like, are they crazy? What's going on here? Uh, he ends up getting hurt there in his first year with Boston but this year Hampus Lindholm has been imperious he's been fantastic yes unbelievably good and yes it's a very different team but also Boston was interested in Oliver Ekman
1: Larson as well yes there was they were
0: two teams remember Vancouver and Boston now Vancouver yes, was
1: the team that was actually willing to give up a sizable asset yes um now
0: Boston you know it they have Charlie McAvoy they've got others that can help there too but I I just wonder you know if 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 the story ended up with OEL in Boston if we would have seen a career turnaround for him as well like we've seen with Hampus Lindholm who's been unbelievably good for the Boston Bruins. Uh, all right, Dan Richo, Satyar Shaw, coming up the pregame Canucks in Tampa Bay. More on Oliver Ekman Larson. More on your Canucks on Canucks Central.